Hey everyone, my name is Josh Proctor and this is the Life on Side B podcast. On this podcast, we are going to discuss, as the name pretty much clearly states, what life as Side B LGBT Christians is really like. For those of you who don't know, Side B is a term used to refer to Christians who are LGBT, attracted to the same sex, or have gender dysphoria, yet hold a traditional view of sexuality and marriage, and therefore live according to that view. Every episode, I will be talking with different Side B Christians about different aspects of their life, faith, and experiences. My goal with this podcast is to show that being Side B is not this depressing life of self-hatred and loneliness, but rather, it can be pretty dang beautiful and amazing. Now, every season, we will be focusing on a different theme of sexuality and faith issues related to the lives of Side B Christians. This season, though, I am really excited because we are going to be looking at different ways Side B Christians live out their sexuality and find intimacy and community. Each of these interviews has been a huge encouragement, even for me, as I navigate what community and belonging look like in my own life. You will be able to see that there are so many different ways that Side B Christians can live with joy within their faith. And in that way, I hope it can be an encouragement for you too. So with that, let's head into today's episode. All right. Hello, friends. Thanks, everyone, again, for joining us. We are here for another episode of Life on Side B. Uh, Before we get to our interview, I have a few announcements that I wanted to make. First of all, thank you so much to everyone who's written in how the podcast has helped you and affected you. I've had multiple people, even within the last two weeks, that have connected who have just been really inspired or really impacted by it. And uh, or even just learned about Side B for the first time through it. So I just want to say again, thank you to everyone who's written in. That's like a huge encouragement to me uh, just to know that the podcast is helping. And if you want to get in contact, I wanted to let you guys know you can look me up on social media, Josh Proctor, or you can find the podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, as well as you can email me at lifeonsidebpodcast at gmail.com. So, and the other thing I just wanted to ask is if all of you guys who are listening through Apple, be sure if you love this podcast, be sure to go ahead and review it because the more reviews we have, the, it helps with getting better visibility so that more people can be able to find it. So I'd really appreciate that. So with that, we're going to jump into our conversation for the day. Uh, Last week, we took a break from talking about mixed orientation marriage, and we had the amazing conversation with Leslie on trans issues. And now we're going back to talking about mixed orientation marriage, and we are going to be talking with my friend, Meredith. Meredith, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Josh. Uh, This is so exciting. So uh, Meredith, could you just share a little bit of an introductory of yourself for uh, everyone listening? So, hello, everyone. Uh, I am Meredith. I am a woman of color. I am married to a Caucasian man. He is Italian. Um, His grandparents came over from Italy, well, Sicily. So, I think that's pretty cool. I'm a professional. I have my uh, MBA and I work for a 
Fortune 50 company, I do well. You could say I'm a mid-level leader. But who I am really is I am a gay woman in a mixed orientation marriage, queer. That's what I like to call myself. And um, I enjoy mangas, anime, video games. I'm a big gamer. I like to uh, do a little bit of cosplay. I like to go as Hermione. I love Harry Potter. And uh, I'm just an overall nerd. Um, I, and I'm really into science, uh, the hard sciences. Like, I really love astronomy. That's my, that's my passion right there. And I wish I would have went that route, but that's a whole other story. Yeah. So <laughs> I love it. A fellow nerd. I am a huge Lord of the Rings nerd. Oh, um, awesome. I love Lord uh, of the Rings. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is the if anyone wants to know how to get to my heart, Lord of the Rings is totally the way there. And fantasy just in general. But yes. Oh, me too. Fantasy. Right. It's just, uh, I think it's something about like, especially as an LGBT teen, like fantasy is such like an amazing way of just escaping when you're younger <laughs> and then you just grow to love it. Well, yeah. Know, and it least, still happens as an adult. Life. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> as an adult, it's just so great to escape reality at times. Oh my God. If you only knew how many times, you know, I just became Hermione in my mind and just other things are happening or, I just become Storm or I'm just any, just any, you know, character, you know, it's just awesome. Uh, yes. And it's awesome that you're into science. You know, it's, it's funny. I never, I never was a huge science kid growing up, but I have really gotten more into science in the past few years, uh, especially because I'm a philosophy person. Uh, I loved wow. philosophy. And I've actually started listening to some different people who are scientists, but they talk in, they, they really deal with where science and philosophy and theology kind of merge and in these kind of different things. And it's really opened my eyes to just a new love for science that I never had before. So that's really cool that you, that that's your passion. Um, yeah, like Michio yeah. Kaku or Neil deGrasse Tyson, anything awesome. by them, I will read or I will go to, I will just sit at their feet and just listen to them wax eloquence about, you know, how, you know, the movement of the celestial bodies and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I, I just love it. Great. So then continuing on, uh, I'd like to start with a question that I've been asking all of our guests, which is, uh, you kind of talked a little bit about how you identify, but then with that, I would like to add to that, uh, what does it mean for you to live side B? Well, it means that I believe in the inerrant word of God, and therefore I try my best to live the life that uh, God calls me to lead, and that means denying my flesh and my natural bend, my natural attractions, which are to women, and mm -hmm. live uh, the traditional sexual ethic. Um, yeah. That's what it means to live side B to me. Awesome. Yeah. And, and kind of going with that, uh, you know, your, your life has taken you into a mixed orientation marriage. Can you give a definition of how you would define mixed orientation marriage for those listening? Well, it would be a straight person married to anyone on the LGBTQIA plus spectrum. Yes. So that would be just a straight person married to a transgender person, to someone, you know, a bisexual, um, intersex, you know, person, um, just something that where their orientations are not the same. I mean, it can mm -hmm. literally be, I guess, technically 
two bisexual people can still be in a mixed orientation marriage in a, in a way. Uh, I guess because, so. I never thought about that. Well, yeah, just because there's a man that's attracted to men and women and yeah. there's a woman that's attracted to, to men, and women. men and women. Yeah. And uh, so the dynamic might be a little bit different. So, um, and it's, tr- it's true because I, the one thing I've learned as I've gotten to know more bisexual people over time has been, I, I think we many times assume that bisexuality is this idea of there's like, you're equally attracted the same way to both genders. Mm-hmm. And what I've learned is that it's really not that way. Just two bisexual people, their attractions can be very different, geared oh, more yes. towards one, towards the other. And so it's very true. Even two bisexual people in a marriage together can be counted as a mixed orientation marriage, depending on how their, um, how their attractions manifest. Yes, exactly. So. And so then with that, talking about, you know, being side B and being in a mixed orientation marriage, could you share a little bit of how you came to be side B as well as arriving to your marriage? Well, we have to hearken back a few tens of years to my grandmother. I believe uh, she's been gone from us for quite some time, but I believe prayer got me here. The loving prayer of a little old lady who loved to cook and feed me until I burst. <laughs> and she was a woman of faith in in our home and she lived right next door to me until I grew up I was always at her side learning you know scripture memory verses you know uh, King James version of course and uh, she always uh, had a plate for people and she would walk to church and she was just a beautiful woman and I loved her and she and she taught me to pray and eventually she was she got diagnosed with ovarian cancer and she she ended up dying in my bedroom we invited her to live with us you know and she she passed away in my bedroom but um, i was reading her bible and it had all of her scripture verses in there and all of her notes in the back and stuff and all of her prayers you know for 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 me and for for everyone and she asked me to leave her leave the room and then when I came back, um, she was gone. So let's fast forward. That happened around, my grandparents died when I was about 12, around 12 years old, uh, not too many days apart from each other. And let's fast forward to me in my you know, late 20s. I'm with uh, a long-term relationship. I was with her for almost five years. We were honest, to be honest with myself, we were towards the end of the relationship. I, I truly did love her. We were at a point where we were going to adopt. And because yeah. uh, her, her dad's gay and she was, he was like, oh, I just found a baby for you, this cute baby. You got to adopt this baby. And I'm just <laughs> like, okay, okay, let's look into it. But to make a long story short, I went down the basement to do the laundry, you know, and um, for some reason, my grandmother's Bible was just there and I grabbed it and I just started crying and I opened it up and you kind of smell like her had a little flower in there that I gave her when I was little. I mean, this flower was pretty much just ashes and, uh, but you can still see some of the color in it. And, um, I just started reading it and I just started weeping and I was happy and I was sad and I was remembering all the things that my grandmother told me about God and about who he is and all of our special times together mm. because I was different. I, I'm not like anyone else in my family. So I, 
my relationship with my grandmother was very, very important to me because it was the only really strong, good relationship I had. Yeah. So that evening I took the Bible to bed, sort of like a teddy bear because it sort of smelled like her and it had her notes in it. And I was just reading it and holding it, which is weird to do because, I mean, it, it's, it's a book, but that's yeah. where I was at. And my girl said, you know what? You need to get that Bible out of our bed. I'm just like, why? And she's like, well, first of all, God doesn't love us. Mm. The church doesn't love us. And I really don't believe God exists. <laughs> and I said, you know what? I'm going to prove you wrong. Mm. I believe what my grandmother said. God does exist. This is his word. And I'm going to prove you wrong. See, and this is what is hilarious to me because God I mean, God is God, of course, but God knows me. He knows I'm type A. I love to be right. And I love to prove people wrong, even though it's not the Christian thing to do, but you know, I'm a type A person. So I went and I studied the Bible. I found a Bible study group at my, at my place of employment at the time. And I just started going to church because mm. I needed to prove to her that God existed. Yes. And uh, so, which proved to me that God existed. I mean, I always knew it, but I wasn't walking with him. Mm -hmm. And walking with God changes you. And Absolutely. during that time, I was walking with him. And he's just like, oh, baby girl, you need to come out of this, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. out of this relationship, which was hard to do. This didn't happen overnight. After I left my long-term relationship, I got into maybe a handful of other relationships with women they were not as long because it's kind of hard to stop dating women. If mm. you like dating women <laughs> or be with women, it's kind of like, Oh, this is difficult. <laughs> yep. but, yeah, it is. It's just like, uh, I can testify to that. It is <laughs> difficult. because <laughs> I went through this. I won't get into it, but I went through the same thing. And so I can, I can just understand that. Yeah. So it wasn't, it wasn't overnight. It was, it was just God pricking my heart, you know, just, he just kept poking at it and poking at it and poking at it until I was able to make that final turn. And the other miracle that happened was he enabled me to be able to love a man, which is surprising even to me. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Wow. And so oh, how, yeah. how did oh, you meet your husband then? Well, actually, I met my husband at work, and uh, he's a, he's a, we have a special relationship. He calls himself the comedian. He calls me the clown, because I, I do like the clown around, and he does like to, you know, he's like the straight man. He, he likes to tell the joke. He's, you know, he's a comedian. Uh -huh. And um, we were just standing in line at our, uh, our place of employment. It's, it's huge, and it has, like, this huge cafeteria, and we were both standing in line. I didn't know him from Adam. And he was, you know, cracking wise with uh, one of the cooks there. And I giggled. And then he looked at me, he started cracking wise some more. And I giggled some more because I thought it was genuinely funny. And I was still new to the firm at the time. And so I decided to sit downstairs, which I normally don't do. I usually just sit at my desk and, you know, eat and just get back to work because I'm, you know, I'm kind of a workaholic. And but that time um, I saw him sitting alone and he looked up and he smiled and I sat next to him. And that was pretty much it. <laughs> mm. If I would have went back to my desk or anything else, that probably wouldn't have happened. So 
we just started the talking. We just started eating lunch more and more. And then he finally asked me out. And the rest is history. We, we got yeah. married five years ago. That's awesome. That's, <laughs> so my question then is, as someone who's you know, primarily attracted to women, what were you feeling when he asked you out for the first time? Um, okay, so this is, this is me giving a true reveal into my vanity. Okay. <laughs> so I'm just, even though I never gave a guy the time of day, I love it when, when guys used to just, you know, just ask me out. And sometimes I would go uh-huh. one or two times just for vanity's sake, you know? Uh huh. Like, I get it. Okay, if you want to buy me dinner, fine. We can spend some time together. I'll I can enjoy you. a free dinner if that's what you want to give me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's I, I was a different person. And uh, well, still the same person. I mean, I have an ego, which is not great, but you know, I'm, I'm an egomaniac. But um, so I'm just like, okay, I, you know, I'm like I try anything once, you know. So I mm-hmm. went out with them, and I had a good time. And That's we started awesome. to go, yeah, and we started to go out some more, and we like a lot of the same things. Like mm-hmm. nerd out on Babylon Five. It's like a lot of people don't even know about Babylon Five. It's like one of my favorite sci-fi shows. He loves it too. He owns every single season of it and i'm just like oh my god and then just these other just other things that he loved just like comedy and um just all the comedy shows that we went to and you know music and stuff and movies and he's a real film nerd i'm sort of a film nerd too and um he's seen metropolis not a lot of people have seen metropolis you know i mean that's a classic you know just black and white silent film yeah. That's really, really good. And I haven't seen it. So I'm one person <laughs> who hasn't. So there you go. <laughs> and so it was just really interesting. And he was, mm-hmm. he was getting me on a, on a mental, you know, level and I enjoyed his company. And then it started to sneak more into my heart. And that's where I really needed to search myself more. And I'm just like, okay, is this ego or mm-hmm. am I feeding my ego or is this love? Yeah. Am I going to love him? And what does that look like? Because I've had unhealthy uh, relationships with men, as in I was raised by my mom to be very sexist, with the exception of my, you know, father, my grandfather, my uncles, you know, you know, never trust a man. Men are not good for anything. But my mother was hurt. This is a whole side issue. But my mother was, uh, was clearly hurt by, by men in her past. And so I was not raised to be a, a, a respecter of them unless they were in the clear line of authority within my family. Okay. So uh, having, having Christian there, uh, that's, that's my husband, Christian. I'll call him Chris. Uh, having Chris there was really helpful because he was a really, I mean, he was raised right. He was uh, just a respectable guy and he loved me. He wasn't out to get anything for me. He was just out to, to get to know me. And during this time in my life, I mean, we dated for five years before we got married. God has was placed me in a number of situations to actually grow me up for him. Mm. And it was actually, it's kind of beautiful. So I needed to change churches. And uh, I prayed for, I showed up, new part of the city, um, new building. Uh, it was a four family flat, not really a huge building. And my neighbor you know, I was praying for a new church home and my neighbor uh, knocked on the door and said, Hey, you want to go to church with me tomorrow? <laughs> I'm just like, this is what? This is a direct answer to prayer. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, really, this is like a squirrel coming down, like a flaming squirrel or something. And I'm like, okay. And, it, and 
you know, he invited me to church and he, he was just an awesome guy, just a great guy. And we became huge friends and I'm still friends with him today. And he invited me to church and I went to church with him and there was a new guy that was there at, at the church and he, he was just wonderful. He invited me to a small group. And uh, I came out to his small group and they, they loved me, you know, just the same. Mm-hmm. And he had some people coming over from the East Coast moving to a, a three-story home in the city. And they wanted someone to rent their loft and to take care of their child when they went on vacation. Just, you know, babysit when yeah. they go out on vacation, stuff like that. And I lived with them for eight years with their four-year-old son. And I got a look into a different type of community because I became, in essence, like a part of, not only a part of their house, household, a part of their family. And I love them. I love them dearly. And we, and we fought like a family and we love each other like a family. I could call upon them to this day and they can count on me. And now their son is 19. Wow. <laughs> and uh, I took him. I took him to his first to, to orientation of college, and I was just like, "Oh my god, <laughs> it's uh. <gotten> so big!" <laughs> and it was just so. I felt I'm like his. I'm like his surrogate aunt. So, and just most of his family's out of town. His biological family. If ever he needs anyone, I'm I'm there. And so I'm I'm quite happy. And, and also, I introduced him to uh, Dragon Ball Z, another uh, anime. So. I like, I like to think that that's a part of me that's a part of him. They're son. So. I love that. I, and I love how that, like, you know, being able to have that community and the part that even that has played in your life. Yeah. So that's so great. My next question that I kind of, one thing I would love for you to talk about is as you started dating your husband, what point did you come out to him about your sexuality and, and how, what was that process like of kind of talking through that with him? Well, it's a little bit complicated. I didn't, I did not come out to him until I knew that I loved him. When I felt that I was falling for him, that's when I came out and that would be, we dated for about five years. So maybe at the three and a half year mark, mm-hmm. I had to be, I had to be sure, sure. After three and a half years, I came out to him because I wanted to be for sure. And uh, I, at first I came out to him as bisexual because I did not know how he would take it that I am gay. And he's a sensitive guy and I didn't want to hurt him. And then we talked about it and he was okay with it. And then after some time, maybe six to eight months passed, it could have been as much of a year past, you know, I when he was comfortable with that, and, uh, and this was my insecurity, and it had nothing to do with him. I, I finally told him, I said, you know, Chris, I'm, I'm a lesbian. And he's like, what, you know, 60-40? I'm just like, more like 90-10 or 99, maybe? And he's like, nah, no, no, no. I'm like, yeah, 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 yes. And we had to have a long conversation because at that time he wasn't sure because I I threw him for a loop. I should have maybe told him the 99% um, before. I didn't want to leave him. Yeah. 
security. But he finally got the gist of it. But I think in his heart, he still was thinking that it was mostly bisexual because, and here's why, when Revoice happened last year, he really saw me in community with other gay people. And he could really see that's what I needed. He didn't appreciate my gayness until, until Revoice. And, um, and I'm, I'm thankful for it. I mean, Chris and I, we, we always giggle about, you know, different girls and stuff like that and that they're cute and stuff. So we could talk about that, but, uh, we never, and, but it's kind of different. He does, he doesn't giggle with me about my, about my gayness. Mm-hmm. Kind of hard to explain. I mean, talking about girls is one thing talking about my sexuality, which directly impacts him is another. So if that, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely makes sense. You know, talking a little bit more about the whole issue of coming out to your spouse. Over the past year, I've gotten to know more, you know, people that are in mixed orientation marriages. And one thing I've heard continuously from a lot of different people is the big, the scariest moment for them is coming out to their spouse if they have it, or, you know, the person they're dating and planning on, you know, marrying. And not only kind of in a similar way of you, you know, like you said, about getting to that point of really explaining the degree of their, you know, attractions or, uh, you know, talking to one person who was like, well, I brought up my attractions, but I think my spouse thinks that it's just like a past thing. Like that's not a part of my life now when it really is like, I'm still gay. What recommendations would you give to people who are in that situation? Like, I want to talk to my, the person I'm dating or, you know, or my spouse, to really explain, you know, the, the reality of what it is. Um, just be completely honest about how you feel, you being the gay person in the relationship. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're insecure about it, then just show your vulnerability and be insecure and just say, I don't want to lose you, but I need to reveal who I mm-hmm. am to you. And maybe talk to a confidant about it first. So that you can mm-hmm. get your, you know, get your thoughts together, maybe write it down so that you can stay on track and not say something that you could possibly uh, regret or can't take back because once it's out there, it's, it's out there. Yeah. But timing also is key. I believe in not telling people stuff before they're ready to hear it because they're mm-hmm. unable to truly hear you and digest you and understand you. So, for example, I, if, if, this was just a normal coming out story, like to a friend or a parent, I would say, you know, eventually come out, but make sure you come out at a place where they're ready to hear you and that you're in a safe space. So timing, timing is everything. I came out to Chris when he was dropping me off in front of my home with the family that I lived with. And that's when I told him at that time, it was the right time. Yeah. So then with that, you know, as you have walked these past five years with your husband, what would you say have, has been your biggest struggle related to your marriage? Uh, my biggest struggle would be reaching out to him to, to touch him. And which is odd because when I dated women, I would reach out and touch them all the time. And I'm a touchy-feely, you know, type of girl. Uh, when it comes to the people that I'm dating, I don't normally reach out to even, you know, friends really. 
but with him, I don't reach out as much. And it's mostly because he's a guy. It's not for a lack of love. It's just mm. that naturally I don't reach for men. <laughs> and when I do reach out to him to, to hold his hand, to let him know that I love him, that I'm there for, for him. And I need to do that more often. And when we were initially dating, I, I did that more often. But then it just sort of it just sort of waned a little bit. I don't I don't don't know why. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that'll be like one of the biggest struggle. Yeah, I think that that'll be the one yeah. that I share. <laughs> yeah, and the and you know I think that that's something that many couples go through. You know, not even just mixed orientation marriage. I mean, related to like the you know some different things. But uh, thank you so much for you know your honesty with that and. What would you say has helped you most in your marriage? What has helped me most is prayer, mm. um, good examples, and having people to to talk to, to, sh- to share with. I have a, well, I used to have an accountability partner, and we used to uh, talk all the time. But now I just have two close female friends. Uh, they're, they're straight, and um, one's uh, single. And one is married with two, you know, beautiful children. Yeah. And uh, I, I share with them and uh, they share with me and it's, it's helpful to me. Since they do care about me and we're friends, I can even share uh, some of my side B struggles or my, you know, my gay struggles with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they're able to show me some empathy and be in it with me though they don't necessarily completely understand yeah. you know what i mean so uh, so they're some good friends and i'm i'm very very thankful for them so that's mm-hmm. been really really helpful i i wish i had a couple that i could talk to that chris and i could talk to that would walk with us a uh, older couple it's something that i've been thinking about or toying with but because of the complexities of our marriage, because of my gayness and his straightness, most other older couples, when I've talked to them, the church, they don't really understand. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out what the future looks like for, for Chris and I in regards to seeking community of support that supports the both of us, because I care about his well-being as well, that someone's listening to him, that he has someone to talk to that uh, he has some people to share with. But he's such a shy, quiet, introverted guy. I mean, I'm introverted too, but I, I at least share with people. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I, I am concerned about that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's something that, you know, being in ministry, God has really shown me the importance of mentorship. Yeah. Like, kind of like what you're talking about. And, and I think it's really important, you know, being able to have those kind of people who have been on that same road that have been doing it just a little bit longer than you. It's always great to have those people that you can go to and be like, give me some advice, be able to walk with me. And, and no matter where, like even I was talking to a friend just a few days ago of how, you know, a lot of my friends who are celibate are around my age. And that's great. And I think that's really important. But then I've always thought like, man, I would love to have just like another celibate person who's farther down the road than me and who's been doing this longer just to be able to be that kind of mentor and be able to give that. Because I think it's like no matter what road you're taking, that's important to be have someone who's been going at it longer. 
be able to give you experience from just a little bit farther down the road than where you're at from. Oh, um, yes. Absolutely. And I also love, one thing I really love about your story and everything that you've shared here is your emphasis on prayer. I think that's so amazing because I think that's something that I've been learning about lately. Over the past few years, ever since I went to Colombia, in Colombia, God really started to teach me about prayer and the importance of prayer. Because I think before that, I had always been afraid of prayer because of the way evangelicals used prayer against LGBT people for so long. And I don't know if that's just me. I don't know if that's other LGBT people. I, I would think that that's other LGBT people that you develop this fear of prayer because you hear pray the gay away. You hear all these different kinds of ways that people use prayer of, um, they use healing prayer in a, in a, in a way that attacks LGBT people. And it many times can create this fear of prayer in the lives of some LGBT people. But I love the importance that it's played in your life to show that, you know, it's something vital for our lives because it's how we converse with God. It's how we commune with him and how we connect with him and how we speak to him about our fears and our thoughts. And Yeah. And it's how we align ourselves to him and what he has for us. Absolutely. uh, A lot of people think that God is distant and he's the big, you know, he's like uh, what, you know, Ben Franklin thought of, uh, of, um, of religion that, you know, God is the big, you know, clockmaker in, in the sky that he just wound the clock and set us there to, uh, to wind down the end of the universe. And then that's it. And I don't necessarily think that that's true because there are plenty of examples in the old and new Testament of God meeting us where we are at and having mm-hmm. an embodying relationship with us. And that's through talking to him and, and just with prayer. After my grandparents died, if it wasn't for me talking to God every day, to be honest with you, I would not have made it. Mm. I, I would not have made it at, at all. And though I fell by the wayside, you can say once you know puberty became full bloom and Satan's lies were out there saying that you know God doesn't like you know gay people. And though I fell by the wayside, you know I came back, and I I really do believe it's because you know my grandmother prayed for me. And she prayed for me every day. And I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for it. And I'm thankful that when I prayed to find another church home, because I needed to be a communion with God. And I needed the meat of the spirit and not just the, not just the milk. What I was getting at the church that I was at before, he introduced me to a beautiful PCA church that gave me all the meat and then some. And I'm truly thankful for it. And also, I wanted to add one other thing. Mm-hmm. You said pray the gay away. And there were so many times I wanted to pray the gay away, you know, growing mm-hmm. up. Because I wanted to be accepted by my, by my parents and by my extended family and by everyone. I didn't want to be different, an oddity, you know, again, just because, you know, I'm a... I'm a woman of color who grew up in a Caucasian neighborhood that went to a Caucasian school. And I was always the odd one. <laughs> and it was just like, this is one other thing that was odd. And yeah. I don't think I will have the relationship I have with God if I was not gay, hmm. to, be, to be honest with you. Yeah. Because it keeps me humble. It keeps me closer to him. It keeps me, you know, praying. 
And parts of it is a burden because, mm-hmm. you know, I grieve the fact that I'll never have a wife and child, yeah. but I'm happy for what God gave me. God gave me something even better. He gave, gave me Chris. I mean, I mm-hmm. genuinely love him. He offers me balance and he makes me laugh and he's, he's a partner and he gave me what I needed and not what I wanted. Mm. Something that will keep me healthy and balanced. Yeah, that's so good. You know, I feel like so many Christians many times when we as LGBT Christians talk about the way that we see our sexuality as a blessing, even as side B people, that they many times think that like it's they many times think you're glorifying in sin or something. But it's it's very true what you said. Like, I don't know if I would be a Christian if I wasn't gay. You know, because it's, it's the, my sexuality is the very thing that has drawn me to God. Yes. It's the very thing that brings me closer to him and keeps me closer to him and has been able to show me the beauty that he can work within my sexuality and all sexualities, you know, Mm -hmm. and being able to show me his love and his glory in a way that straight people don't understand. Mm. Yes. You know, and that's beautiful. It because is very I, beautiful. Yes, exactly. Because I think there's something about God's character that many times we will understand as gay people because of our sexuality that straight people just don't understand it the same way that we they will understand God in ways that we won't understand. And that's fine. And that's the part of the diversity of humanity, of, of the way that the way that we walk, the way that we experience God and the journey that he takes us on. And it can be a blessing. Yeah, it can so, be. That's so good. You know, and I know this isn't related to mixed orientation marriage specifically, but as you've brought it up, I would really love for you to just comment a little bit of of kind of as you were talking about being a black queer woman, the intersectionality between your race and your sexuality, and on top of that, then your faith. I, I would love for you just to comment on, on a little bit on that, you know, how that has been a part of your journey. I know you shared a little bit so far, but. Well, I'm always in a space where there are not a lot of other people like me. Yeah. And, and I, and I grieve it a lot because I, I love to be in community with my gay people, with my Christian people, but I also want to be in community, you know, with my black people, with my brown mm-hmm. people. You know, and I really, part of me feels like that I am really a missionary to all the non-POCs, the non-people of color, because whatever stereotype they have out there, I'm sure for for Black women or Black people, I'm never fall in any of those categories, (laughs) none at all. So, like my church is uh, predominantly white then was intersprinkled with with gay which is awesome side b people have a a side b community at my church and um (laughs) yeah and (laughs) some and some asian people and some um biracial you know families so we have a little bit of diversity there and you could say there's some issues in regards to some members of our church understanding the the struggle because of it's because of their privilege if it doesn't impact them then it 
doesn't really, they can't really see it or appreciate it. And so I feel that I'm called to stand in that gap and say, you know, see me, uh, see what I am going through here, what I am going through, what what I'm going through so that you can understand me. I, I need you to empathize with me. And that's pretty much how I'm trying to, I guess, represent being black, being queer, being, you know, a Christian woman. When I first came out, it was was difficult for me to find other uh, women of color for me to date. Um, There wasn't Mm -hmm. a lot at the local coffee houses or pubs. And at the time, in the early, you know, late 90s and early 2000s, you know, dating apps and, you know, other ways of meeting people wasn't the big thing. Yeah. So I didn't get the opportunity to even date a lot of the, I guess, a lot of people of my own race. Even though I have, I just wish I would have dated more because I'm greedy. So, <laughs> you, should, you, should, you ain't alone. You ain't, ain't alone. <laughs> but um, I hope, did I answer your question? Yeah, no, you did. I let, you know, because I think it's sometimes, I'll be honest, even in my life, even in the past few years of getting to know more about of what it's like to be LGBT, even just the LGBT community in general, in all of my years of being part of the LGBT community, I would say it's in the past year and a half or two years that I've really come to have, to just be able to understand and respect the uniqueness of what it's like to be both a person of color and LGBT. Oh, because yeah. I really, I don't think before a year and a half ago or two years ago, I really even had an awareness of the understanding of that, the difference of that, you know, like I, I had the understanding that we as LGBT people are experiencing the same among all of us. And in some ways it is, in some ways it is, but that there are unique factors, what it's like to be a person of color, Asian, black, Latino, and LGBT, that it's not the same as being white and LGBT. Yeah. I can you know. give you a, a story. My my very first my very first girlfriend, she was a country girl, just pure country. I don't even know how it happened, but she was my first girlfriend, and we were just driving around the city, you know, and uh, we pulled over because we got tired. And there was no, really it was literally, I was nineteen, she was eighteen and a half, and. Mm-hmm. There's really literally no place for us to go. So yeah. all we were doing was driving around. <laughs> and we fell asleep and uh, cops knocked on our on the on the door and she was driving and I was in a passenger seat. And we got out and our hands were raised because their guns were drawn and they were pointed at me, not at her. She happens to be Caucasian. And they asked if she was okay. Wow. And I'm just like, okay. Hmm. And I really didn't appreciate, I appreciate what happened now as an adult, but the fact that the guns were drawn on me, I had to raise my hands. She had her hands raised as well. And the fact that they asked if she was okay Hmm. um, should have been a big red flag right there. But we both answered and said, you know, we're fine. They asked what we were doing there. And I said, well, we, you know, pulled over because we were tired. And my mother said, and, you know, don't drive when you're tired, you know, take a quick nap. And they said, well, this is private property. You're trespassing. You've got to leave. 
and they maybe show my ID and all the stuff. So that's one instance of uh, just a little bit of the, you could say the difference. Yeah. That's a little traumatizing. Then I had another one that happened, oh gosh, this was probably 15 years ago, where I got pulled over and had guns drawn on me again. This time I was wearing a business suit and driving a Toyota Camry. Hmm. <laughs> and they pulled out, they said I made an illegal turn. I said, I just made a right. <laughs> and uh, they, they wanted my information. I gave them my information and I actually had to call my pastor. And I, I was just like, I don't know what was happening because I was literally going from work to Bible study. And yeah. I'm like, I don't know what happened. And they gave me a bunch of tickets. I'm like, I really don't know. They said I was doing illegal terms and stuff like that. And he talked to them and everything was just dropped. And then he, he said that that area was a, uh, just a trap where they try to, you know, rack up tickets. We have small communities that have, uh, like small jurisdictions that have like maybe one or two cops and how they make money is by uh, harassing folks. So it's just things like that. I don't think that they're necessarily gay issues, but they are Mm -hmm. people of color issues. They're they're black and brown issues. And it's, it's quite uh, traumatizing. There was for a time where when Chris and I, you know, were dating, I just told them, you know, I, I just, I can't drive right now because I was just feeling emotionally traumatized just by what was what's going on in the area or uh, just politically, if people are, you know, acting up, I just get a little, you know, traumatized just because of those two instances, instances that happened of me getting, you know, pulled over and you know, guns, guns drawn and stuff like that. When again, you know, I dress well, I speak well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm I'm harmless and yeah. there's I don't have a criminal record, a couple of speeding tickets, but uh no criminal record and I was thought of as a uh as a criminal. So hmm. or That's, treated like one anyway. Yeah. And you know, it just breaks my heart that you've had to go through that, you know, and it's something that, you know, it's 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 something that many people of color, you know, tragically go through, you know, especially in our country. Mm-hmm. And I just want to thank you so much for just your example and your courage of everything, you know, as a Christian woman in your faith and your prayer in your life as a queer woman, as a, as a black woman and, and being able to stand forth, as you said, a missionary, because that's what you are. You're a missionary that, you know, God has you where he wants you, you know, and it's kind of like everything that we're seeing in the church where so much of the church doesn't know what to do with side B people, you know, in so many ways, as we as we've seen in 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 just how different churches have reacted to you know the side B movement and things, and it's stories like this, it's stories like yours, and the stories that we've heard here that really make that difference of being able to show people what it's like, you know, in yeah. our shoes and stuff. And so I, I want to thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome, and thank you for just having me and. Uh, creating a platform for side beers to express themselves and to share parts of themselves. And I guess to, to answer your question about what the church to, can do about side beers is to love and accept us as your brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. Just because you can see our sin, it does not make our sin more of a sin than your sin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if that makes sense. Absolutely. 
you know, sin is equal. And the only sin that um, is the unforgivable sin is blaspheming the Holy Spirit. I mean, we should all know this. We all read the Bible. So just love your your gay brother and sister. Invite them in, into your homes. They, they like to call them gunkles, gay uncles, gants, gay aunts, yes. or a real thing. You know, we love children. We may not have any of our own, but we would love to be in community with people with children. Invite yeah. us to your homes. We will babysit for you. We will, uh, you can have a date night and we will play with your kids and we will happily give them back to you. Mm. Um, we just want community. Uh, we want love. And people, all people are made in the image of God, even the people that we don't choose to claim. And mm. the one thing that the gay community has going on that the Christian community and the church community specifically doesn't have gone on very well is the sense of family and community. When mm. I came out and I became homeless because my mother found out that I was gay, I slept in, I slept in my car and drove around and I slept over at friends' houses and stuff like that. But when I started to gather a gay community, I had a home. I had mm. friends. I had people I can just drop in on and talk to. And when I came out again, who knew that was going to happen? As a Christian, you know, I didn't have the same welcome for my Christian brothers and sisters. Yeah. You know, when it comes to having a home to go to or something like that. Eventually, I had a home open up to me to teach me the meaning of family and to give me good male role models. But in that, in that small time where I needed a Christian community to gather around me to keep me for myself, you know, I didn't have that. So I say church, take an example from the gay community and know what community is and truly love your neighbor and accept them into your home and into your life and into your community. Yes, yes, yes. Love it. Well, again, thank you so much for joining I really appreciate it. Before we go, is there anything else that you want to share that we haven't covered yet? Can we do a Dear Straight People? I want to do a Dear Straight People. Yes! Yes, please. Ooh, preach. Give me your best. Okay. Dear Straight People, I am not attracted to you. Just because I am nice or I give you a hug or enjoy your company does not mean I'm falling for you. Specifically, I'm talking about the straight women especially in the church or just out there. Don't assume that because I give you a hug that I'm falling for you. Yes. Okay. Another one. Dear straight people, just because you are a woman, does that mean that I will like you? Straight people, do you like everyone of the opposite gender? No, you don't. Neither do I. I have self-control. Okay. And again, dear straight people, yes, I am gay, but I still need female community. Mm, yes. I need women around me. I need healthy, healthy women around me to give me, to, to lift me up, to befriend me, to hold me accountable, to give me affection, healthy affection that is, that is, that is normal. You know, it's been years since I've had a harem, week, week, nudge, nudge. So you shouldn't have to worry about it. <laughs> I 
moment. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that is so funny because I was really wanting to ask you if you wanted to do a Dear Straight People section, but I don't know why I didn't. And so I'm so glad you did that. Great. <laughs> Well, you have to you have to do dear straight people. I mean, you, you got that from the dear white people, right? The dear yes, white I people. did. I love dear white people. <laughs> yes, I watched that show, and I was like, "We need dear straight people." I need that in my life. Oh yes, because oh my gosh, the early years when I started going to my the church I'm going to today, and people didn't know I was gay, and they would give you a hug and be like, "Hi, how's it going?" Blah blah blah. Hi, Meredith. And then you come out to them, then you give them a hug. They're just like giving you like the straight arm or something like that. It's just like, what the hell changed? I'm still the same person. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Or they try to give you the side hug. Exactly. I'm just like, what is, oh my, you get on my nerves. I just want to take my shoe off and hit you with it. Yes. Violent way, just in a, like how my grandmother used to do it. (laughs) In a loving way. Just smack them. Exactly. (laughs) taste out your mouth. Uh Uh-huh. Well, then I have one more fun, random question. Okay. Did you have any celebrity crush that helped you realize you weren't straight? And if so, who? Oh, my gosh. You mean in the beginning? Because I could, okay, in the beginning, it was, I was obsessed with two people. It was Janet Jackson and um, Deanna Troy of the Starship Enterprise. She played. Oh. <laughs> I read it. Oh, my God. I was just obsessed. And my mother thought it was a, a natural obsession. She's like, you just stop everything to watch Star Trek or to listen to Janet Jackson. I'm like, I can't help myself. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. You know, it's so funny. I feel like every LGBT person has that first crush that was just like, oh, I'm gay. I'm gay. But it's funny because for me, I got really confused because I got obsessed with Shania Twain as a kid. And for a while I was like, does this mean I'm straight? Because I love this woman. It just turned out that I was more obsessed with her as a role model. But... um, (laughs) Oh, oh, so good. Okay, so uh, let me add one more. I'm sorry. You could go ahead. Go do it. Okay, so the most recently, I literally lost. Okay, so my current celebrity crushes are Tracy Ellis Ross. Mm -hmm. I'm totally, I'm obsessed with her. And um, Janelle Monet. I really, and the chick that plays Captain Marvel, the Captain Marvel, (gasps) the, the character. Not yes. the actual actress, but I love Captain Marvel. Ooh. So, so, yeah, keep going. Sorry. And then I have a thought. <laughs> because, and of course, Wonder Woman. I mean, that's just, oh, I, you know, that's just not to be, you know, Gal Gadot, who could, I mean, I just can't say anything more. But I was attracted to Wonder Woman. Like, who is oh it? My, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. And but, you know, you brought, up, you brought up Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. And can I just say how much I think that movie is like side B excellence? The fact that she had no romantic interest and it was just her and her friend <laughs> and like their relationship. I was like, was this made for side B people? Because I feel it. I yeah. feel it. It's actually a relationship that I'm, that I'm jealous of, that I want, that I you know, seek. I hope to have a close female friend. Mm-hmm. You know, 
that is loving and affectionate, non-sexual, of course. Yeah. That, um, that I can just live life with. Yeah. That would be, that would be a beautiful thing. Absolutely. I just, I think it is. And I loved that movie just for that, just seeing their friendship. And I was like, this is beautiful. Yeah, it I is beautiful. And, and the cat goose oh, is mm-hmm. beautiful. Good. Yes. <laughs> and one shout out to my husband, because when Janelle Monet came out as pansexual, I literally lost my mind. I, I, I literally did. I had, I, I put up posters. I just, I, I, I remember that. She broke me. Oh. <laughs> she, she literally did, but you know, not not in necessarily a bad way. But he was he loved me enough to let me just be all, I don't know, just losing my mind and just the gayness of it, and then come back to him. So I'm, I'm mm. thankful for that. Oh, so. you see, just the understanding that of those kind of things within marriage. That's wonderful. I love it. I love it. <laughs> well. Thanks again so much for joining. I really appreciate it. This has been fun. I love this. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yes, I enjoyed it. So thank too. you again. You know, for everyone listening, if you would like to get in contact with Meredith, uh, I'm going to be putting her email and her Twitter information in the episode description. So please feel free to contact her through there. Uh, I know she would love to be able to to hear from you guys and to be able to connect. So please do that. We are so thankful that for each of you guys who listen, be listening next Monday for our next episode, we are going to be moving from mixed orientation marriage to begin talking more about friendship and also still a little bit more about intentional community. So be on the lookout for those episodes and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks guys. Thank you.